Welcome to Liz Collin Reports. On the podcast, the service and sacrifice of one Minnesota law enforcement family. It was January 6th of 2020 when Wasika police officer Eric Matson suffered a traumatic brain injury from a gunshot wound to the head. His miraculous recovery has led him now to the trip of a lifetime, three years later, to Alaska, where his dream of hunting ducks off a small island is becoming a reality. Eric Matson's wife, Megan, is my guest. We're not just talking about duck hunting, uh, Megan, but, but healing and hope today as well. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Let's start with that trip, though. Eric is going going to be gone for a week. This is a, a long time, but this great group, Hometown Hero Outdoors, granting him kind of a wish in a way. But Eric grew up with a love of hunting ducks. Yes, he has been hunting ducks since he was nine years old. Um, his uncle Paul actually got him into it. Funny thing is, is if Eric had good grades, his mom would call him in sick for the morning of school so he could go out and get his limit of ducks that day. And then he would just go back to school like it was nothing. Wow. Wow. And so this is uh, the place that he, he'd he always dreamed about 300 miles from the mainland of Alaska. I was joking that I don't know if this is the trip that we would want to take. Um, <laughs> it sounds uh, a bit, bit grueling in a way. Yeah, I mean, other than they are having like 50 mile an hour winds, the weather temperature has been the same. So it's just a little bit more windier. And then they are on an island in off the Black Bering Sea. So, yeah, it's going to be different elements, but they have um, a lot of gear that's going to keep them warm and waterproof. So he'll be fine. It's his element. He'll be good. I'm sure he's very excited. Very excited. Oh, my goodness. He has been talking about this for years, and he's been working really hard in going to the gym every day with our nurse to just keep up on that momentum and his strength, you know, to be able to climb around the rocks, stand for long periods of time. I mean, he's not going to be able to use a wheelchair, so he needs to be able to walk long distance, too. So, yeah, he's excited. He's ready for it. And take us back three years ago to remind everyone uh, of your journey, Megan, when Eric was working just a regular shift uh, for the Wasika Police Department. But you had people uh, come to your door that night that that changed everything. Yes. So Eric actually picked up an overtime shift and it was an afternoon shift, something that he really wasn't he never really worked. He always worked daytime shift. And um, it was just a normal Monday. The girls were in school and then they had dance. Eric worked from 1.30 to 10. And I was just doing the mom things. And Eric always did a great job at calling me and the girls um, in the morning before they would go off to school and then again at night if he randomly happened to work an evening shift to say good night eight o'clock at night eight o'clock in the morning and that night it didn't dawn on me until after i had put the girls to bed that i was laying in my own bed and i was like hmm eric didn't call all right well maybe he's on a call and he'll call me back in a little bit and i ended up falling asleep but very, very shortly after my 10 minute snooze, I got a knock on the door and 
I looked through the blinds and there was a couple vehicles and I had opened it and there stood a DNR officer, a state trooper, an investigator, and then one of our good friends. And they had told me that Eric had been shot at the time. They didn't know where, so they couldn't tell me. And hustle, hustle, hustle. You need to go. We need to get our stuff. And before I knew it, I was in the vehicle. We drove to Wasika Airport. They put me in a state patrol helicopter and I was flying to North Memorial. And I always say that I regret not taking a photo, but in the moment you kind of think it's morbid of all of the squad cars that were circling North Memorial. It was I knew right then and there that this was real, like this is serious. And um, I was such in a state of shock that I hadn't cried yet. And it wasn't until. The doctor surgeon was in the room with Eric's mom and dad and brother and sister-in-law and I. When they told me that Eric had been shot in the head, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, the bullet hole, like his face is going to be unrecognizable, right? That's what I just assumed. And I ended up going back into the ER room. And if you've ever watched like Grey's Anatomy, it was just like that. The um, hallway was filled with doctors, nurses, and law enforcement officers, and we felt like we were the only ones in the hospital, and the lights were so bright, the fluorescent lights, and I just kept my head down, and we went into this big operating room. It was so quiet. It was so cold. The room was filled again with nurses, surgeons, and law enforcement officers. And that's when I had seen Eric. His head was wrapped up and he was just lying there, hooked up to a bunch of machines. And it that's when I let it out. That's when I let out the scream. That's when I fell to my knees because it was almost a sign of relief that he actually looks really good. Like Oh my goodness, you're going to you're going to be fine. You're going to get through this. And I said a prayer over him, gave him some hug and love, and they took him back. And it was supposed to be a 3-hour surgery, ended up being 5, which they say is, you know, longer the better. And that whole time I was just waiting in the waiting room with like 150 law enforcement officers, friends, and family. And I was remember laying on the sofa and I would watch the emergency room door open and close, open and close. And five hours went by and the surgeon must have hit like the door, like the handicap button so that the door would open. And he took off his cap, took off his gown and just let out a huge sigh. And at the time I was like, oh my gosh, I have to hold myself together because I'm about to lose it in front of all these people because Eric didn't make it. And little did I know that Eric had made it. And the doctor was just so exhausted from that intense surgery and I didn't know what to do and if you know any surgeon they are like trained to not show emotion and so I ran up to him and I hugged him and he just kind of like stood there and yeah I went back and I seen him half of his 
head was shaved and he looked like he had a really bad black eye. He has the typical brain, you know, scar that wraps around the ear and he was just hooked up to machines. I laid there with him for the next 24 hours. Wow. And you've allowed Megan people to stay on this journey with you. Many of us follow your posts on social media, the good days, the bad days uh, too. But on January 6th, you posted this picture um, with this caption. I'm going to read just a little bit, but nothing could have prepared us for what happened here three years ago on this very day in this exact spot. We were unsure what pain hurt worse, the shock of what happened or the ache of what will never be. On one hand, I'm grateful for my husband standing here today. He is a living, breathing, walking miracle, a true testament of our faith. On the other hand, when life is hard, I break down. I miss our old life. I know I can't think about it too long because there is no changing what happened. But just to remind uh, folks, you have two beautiful daughters. They were seven and five at the time this happened. And I know this is a question you you get a lot, but how are you guys uh, doing today now that life has permanently been changed? We are doing really well. Um, We recently just moved not too far away from our last home, but about five miles outside in the country for more privacy. The girls keep us busy with their after school activities. Eric, like I said, has been honestly training for this once in a lifetime hunt coming up. I guess I can say I'm not really in survival mode anymore because I have allowed myself to go to therapy. And so that has been a huge, huge um, life-altering experience for me to be able to learn coping mechanisms. We're doing good. You asked me today, we're, we're doing good. I think that's amazing as well. And you're giving other people hope by being public and and open about this process, even just with therapy that, hey, you know what? It's okay. Uh, There's people out there that that do this for a living. They want to help. And um, you've uh, received a lot of that as well. Yes, I would say if I had to go back, I definitely would have joined therapy sooner. But I was in survival mode. I didn't want to deal with my emotions. I was trying to take care of Eric's emotions, our daughter's emotions, and I would just stuff mine down until I would get to a breaking point and I would be an emotional wreck for days. I would get angry. I would cry. I would isolate myself. Um, I would get insomnia. And it got to a point back in September where... A good friend of ours, we were at a gala and he walked over and noticed something was off with Eric and I that night. I thought we were playing a really good poker face, but clearly he knows us better than maybe we know ourselves at the time. I had told our friend that Eric had been struggling with suicide that week. Not the fact that he had attempted it, but just the fact that he had thought about it. That was on a Saturday and by Monday morning, I had gotten an email from a local therapist and she had reached out. And by that next Monday, I was in therapy. Eric was in therapy and we've been going every week ever since. And when next month, when we get back from our trips, we're actually going to start doing couples therapy. But I guess my advice, if I could give any to anybody that is struggling or grieving on any level is 
go get the help because you need those coping mechanisms. But if you struggled like I did being a procrastinator and just blowing it off, hopefully you have a friend or you could be that friend for that person that is struggling and reach out and take it into matters of your own hands and get them help because they'll thank you one day for sure. And talking, Megan, about the crime itself, the Matson Law, as it's called uh, now, made stronger penalties for people who injure police officers, prosecutors, judges, or correctional employees. But there are also mandatory minimums, no early parole release, which is almost unheard of, frankly, in Minnesota. But this uh, Tyler Janofsky, he was sentenced to 35 years for what he did to Eric. What do you make of just the ongoing violence against the, the police? The National Fraternal Order of Police recorded basically historic numbers the last couple of years with officers being killed or injured on the job. But what's your advice there? What can people do to, to better support uh, the law enforcement profession in Minnesota? When we were working on that bill, I got so many emails and messages that flooded. And it was a lot of the spouses that were actually reaching out to me saying that they could just see the exhaustion and the disappointment and the anger in their law enforcement officer that they just have to keep dealing with these repeated felons. And what is just so annoying is... I mean, second chance, okay. But what happens to three strikes, you're out. When do we start holding these people accountable? We have to take action within, at the Capitol. And like I said that day, and I looked at all of the House, all of the Senate, I don't care if you're left side or right side, but you will never know what we go through unless it happened to you. So do you want that? Do you and then things are going to change? I just don't think it's right. I hope to be able to keep making changes here in the state of Minnesota, because I feel like that is mine and Eric's way of saying thank you to all the law enforcement officers. And as far as Eric's health journey, we know he spent months in the hospital, then many more months in rehabilitation, uh, what do doctors say about the, the the days ahead? Can he make even more strides uh, battling back? I know he's a very focused uh, man. Yes. So I've actually had two conversations in the last six months with two professionals that are from completely different sides. And we're three years out. This is Eric, give or take. Um. It's up to Eric. There's no magic pill. There's no amount of therapy that is going to bring him back. It's all up here. If Eric wants to do it, he will do it. That's hard for a lot of people to accept. Um, it's taken me some time to accept that. But after I heard that from two other uh, professionals, it really resonated with me. Back to this hunting trip, though, um, 4,000 trips that this hometown Heroes Outdoors has taken people on at this point, people from states all across the country. What's Eric's goal here? I know he is a goal-oriented person. Yeah, so Eric's goal with this hunt, actually, we just talked about it this morning. Um, our documentary crew guy said, hey, I heard about this and don't quote me, but it's like a 42 duck hunt like goal that these hunter guys can do and 
I told Eric, I'm like, all you have is time and life. So King Eider is like the last duck, right? The big hurrah of achieving this big giant metal plaque of saying I am one of the very rarest waterfall hunters to have been able to collect all 42 ducks. Well, to Eric's advantage, he already has 12 of them downstairs in our basement. So what's 12 more? (laughs) So I think that's what he's going to pursue after this hunt is just keep going after them ducks. That's great. That's great. And tell tell our audience um, how they can continue to to follow your story and and show show support, Megan. Yes, you can follow our story on Instagram. I am very active on that daily, and you can find me at Megan Matson two two two. Well, thank you, Megan, so much uh, to to you, to your husband, your entire family, uh, for their service. That the true definition of Matson strong. That's the hashtag, right? Yes. Thank you, Megan, so much. Thank you. And that will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We will see you next time.